Heroes are an inspiring group of people, every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital, the war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom, the police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling, but there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what, I can fix that, I can help people, and I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world, others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. So I want to uh, push the conversation forward a little bit and talk about your fatal flaw. So if your sure. superpower is, uh, is, is the one side, the other side of that coin is your fatal flaw, right? Superman yeah. had his kryptonite. Batman right. wasn't actually a superhero. He just worked really hard and had a lot of money. That's right. right. <laughs> So, yeah. so my question for you is, what do you think something has held you back in your the growth of your business specifically that you've had to deal with and work on? Mm -hmm. um, and I think more importantly, how have you dealt with and worked on that for someone else who might struggle with something similar in growing their business? So I would say my fatal flaw, both in terms of my, my life in general, but especially with my business, uh, has just been pride, um, which is ironic because I talk a whole lot about humility in my blended family and leadership presentations. Uh, and what I mean by that is I've, I've been trying to do all of it all at the same time without any help. Um, I've been trying to figure out how to become a better professional speaker, or I've been trying to figure out how to uh, create an online course or how to write another book or how to, uh, you know, get more coaching clients or whatever it may have been. And I'm trying to do it all at the same time. And I'm trying to figure it out all on my own instead of asking people who already know and getting their help. Um, and, and so uh, just recently, actually, I've connected with someone who is um, actually a couple different um, coaches to help me uh, become a better professional speaker. So whether it's getting on more stages or being able to increase what I charge or just changing the way that I do my presentation. And so I'm learning a lot because, again, like I, I read a lot of books. I'm a high school teacher. Like I read and I study and I apply those things. Um, but I also think it's very important to get – uh, outside opinions because peop other people are going to see my mistakes or shortcomings on the stage better than I'm going to see them. Uh, and so being willing to seek out uh, expertise from other people and being willing to listen to their critiques um, in a way that enables me to hear it positively instead of just hearing it as, why are you insulting me, right? Um, that's something yeah. that I've really – that's something I've really had to learn. Um, and that's been – that's been challenging mostly because I know those things in my head. I teach those things to high school kids all the time. Like I'm a teacher. My job is to come alongside you and help you. I'm not trying to criticize you. I'm trying to get you to change what you do so it becomes better. I know those things. And yet in my own, you know, entrepreneurship journey, it's been much harder to get myself to actually do that. It's been much harder to reach out to someone and say, Hey, listen, I'll be honest. I thought I knew what I was doing right here. Turns out I don't. <laughs> Would you be willing to help me? You know? Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting skill set because you you have to have a bit of both, right? You mm -hmm. you have to have a bit of arrogance to move forward, right? right? And, yeah, you and, definitely got to have a high degree of confidence to want to yeah. 
jump out into that world. And um, you have to have you have to have the humility to know when it's not enough, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think like you have to have you have to have a balance with it because like one of the things that um, that I see entrepreneurs struggle with early in their career is they struggle with what you were talking about, like the the pride thing that they know what they need to do and they're not going right. to hire a coach. Right. And then further along down the line, right, you get to a point where you're a fucking rock star, right? You're really good at what you do mm-hmm. and you don't believe it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you and, get the yes, or and, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, where you start struggling with imposter syndrome where you're like, I don't, I, I'm not charging enough for what I do um, and you have a hard time growing your business because of that. So you, you have to, you have to sort of, to toe that line of understanding mm-hmm. where you are, what your skill set is capable of, and like where you need help, and where where you need to just stand up and own your skills, mm-hmm. um, and confidently speak about them, and and uh, and use them to you know help other people. Um, so it's it's an interesting interesting place to be in your business. Yeah, it is, and uh, and like you mentioned, it's um, it's kind of a process of realizing when is what I'm doing not enough versus when is what I'm doing going to keep taking me forward. And, uh, and that's something that also takes a level of humility to be able to just do honest self-evaluation because it's real easy to lie to ourselves. Like I, th- I think people in general are better at deceiving themselves than they are at deceiving other people. Um, you know, it's a, the old goofy adage about athletes, like the older I get, the better I used to be, you know, you can, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, and it may be, the, it may be true of entrepreneurs as well. Like the more I do this, the more I'm pretty sure that I know what I'm doing. Whereas that may be true. But it also might be that the, the more you get into it, the more you grow, the more help you need. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, there was a great um, – I heard this from a guy named Grant Baldwin who uh, has a great speaker program. Um, and he, uh, he was talking about uh, – it was on his podcast, and he was talking about a book that he read called The E-Myth, uh, which yeah. I haven't read yet. But he, um, he mentioned in that book the author makes a great analogy where he says, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur is different than being – the skilled worker. And the analogy in the book was, yeah, the, the, the analogy in the book was it's very different to own a bakery versus being a good baker, Mm -hmm. very different skill sets. And that's what, that's what really hit home with me because this sounds prideful. I don't necessarily mean it that way, but I mean it full of confidence. I know that if you give me a stage and a microphone in front of the audiences that I know I'm good with, I know that I can do a great job from the stage. I know that I can. I've done it a bunch of times. I've done it in high schools and colleges and conferences and, um, you know, all kinds of places. I know that I'm good at that. What I'm learning is the actual business side of speaking. I'm learning about making relationships with event planners, right? I'm learning about how to get myself on bigger stages. That's something that I don't know very much about or I didn't when I was starting. Right. And so um, being a good speaker is not the same thing as being a successfully paid speaker, being good on stage and how much you get paid are not necessarily directly related because you could be a great speaker. But if nobody's going to hire you to be on their stage because they've never heard of you or because they don't trust you because your marketing's bad or whatever it may be, it doesn't matter how good you are if nobody gives you the chance to do it. Yeah. And and that's a a common problem with, with entrepreneurs, especially in the expert space spaces is because you have to you have to be able to show people both sides right you have mm-hmm. to have the business what do you mean big word here business acumen to actually go yeah. forth and and yep. actually do the marketing and do the right. follow-up and do all the things that make the business happen right productize right. your services yep. and all those yep. things um and i like i run into that a lot so it's actually my my business model that i i do with my clients is mm-hmm. they bring expertise to the table and then I come in and I help them build the whole business around their expertise. 
nice. and children okay. want to run all the other pieces. Um, so it's something that we run into a lot. It's like, hey, you can bring your expertise to the table, but like, here's here's the like the thirty thousand foot view of your business on like all the other things that we need to work on, right? Your marketing and your branding and your uh, your your follow up and your customer conversion point and all those things like you have to know what all the things are and what the metrics are and you know what it right. costs to bring in a customer and what your cogs are right if you sell right. one you sell one copy of your product how much did it cost you in advertising dollars and can you right. sustain that right right <laughs> right and coming to the business from you know like i got a client of mine who's a real estate investor he's very very business savvy but when it comes to running a online business and spending ad dollars on something like facebook and turning mm-hmm. that into revenue that's not his right. game Right. right. So he's got, yep. to, he's got to learn that business. Um, and, and it's, uh, it's a, it's a powerful skill. Um, and it's something that I think a, more people who are in entrepreneurship need to be aware of that disparity and mm-hmm. where they're, uh, where they're, where they need to put their focus. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're exactly right. And, and like you mentioned, it's a very different skill set that needs to be learned. Uh, and that's, again, that's something that I am learning how to yeah. do better and better uh, by getting help. Because again, as a, as a, so I, I went to college and I majored in history and most of my adult life, I've been a teacher. I've done a bunch of other stuff. I took two years off teaching after my divorce. And uh, so I've, I've been a bartender and a waiter and a, a, a insurance salesman and a, a warehouse manager and a firefighter and a construction worker. And like, I've done a bunch of other things, none of them really entrepreneurial. And so this whole world, I've only been in for a couple of years, and it's very different than anything I ever learned in my formal education or in my professional experience. And so there's yeah. a whole lot of terminology that just was completely foreign to me. There's a whole lot of concepts that were completely foreign to me. And so it's really good for me to go and get help instead of just trying to read a couple books about it. I mean, there's, I'm always going to say, yes, you should go read more books about it. But if that's all I'm going to do, it's going to take me even longer. Because if I have a certain question that that book didn't exactly address, I need to be able to ask somebody about that, you know? Um, So I think that I'm, again, as a teacher, I'm always going to recommend, yes, go read the books, go do the exercises in the back of the books, and then come revisit those books in a couple years. At the same time, you need to get some face-to-face interaction. Uh, And that's why I believe, again, within education, I think there's a place for online classes. I've taught some, I've taken some, but nothing will ever completely replace the inside a classroom experience of being able to be around other people talking with a teacher face to face because it's just different uh, again. And you can, you can almost simulate that pretty well with like a group online call. That's actually really, really close because you again, you've got a community of people that are all asking questions, bouncing off each other. Right. But it's different than just sitting down and taking an online course that doesn't have any interaction. Those can be really helpful. But if you also can add some, one-on-one coaching with that, now the value of that online course is much bigger because you can get specific things addressed that maybe the course didn't actually answer for you. Um, yeah. And so again, it's, it's just the, the purpose of, or the, um, uh, the atmosphere of having somebody to come alongside you. Yeah. 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 So we actually, uh, it's one of the things we teach to all of our clients is how you, how you, uh, um, you progress, especially if you're, if the thing that you're teaching and selling is knowledge, mm-hmm. the, price differences between, mm-hmm. um, between your service offerings is delineated by intimacy levels. Mm, so, okay. Um, and, and, and people pay more for higher levels of intimacy because Absolutely. you get better results, the yep. better the intimacy is. So, 
um, the best example I have for this, and this might be really useful for you since you've already mm -hmm. got a book going and you're speaking and all those things is, is how you, how you progress down that chain and how you think of where my service offerings should be, mm -hmm. um, is, is, uh, one of my clients, um, uh, past clients was a, uh, um, owner of a telecom in, mm -hmm. um, the public utility phone service in uh, Las Vegas. And she was, I think the, uh, the first female African-American CEO of a telecom, a public utility telecom. Wow. Um, and she took that company from, I think, $600,000 a year in revenue to 40 million. Wow. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, um, what she does now is she coaches companies how to break the seven figure mark. Okay. Um, and, um, she has a book and I can't remember the name of the book, something, you know, it's like the millionaire empire or something like that. And mm -hmm. in it, she teaches you how to take your business from being a six figure business to being a seven figure business. Like what are the steps and how do you do that? Yeah. Um, and she sells that book. You can buy it on Amazon for $9 and 99 right. cents. Yep. Right. Because there's a very low level of intimacy with the book. Right. Um, and it's not that it's not useful, course. but yeah. it's not, it's not useful but it's, it's a great book. It's the same, the same process that she uses. And she right. has a course that costs a thousand bucks. Yep. It's a video course. And the video course is literally, it's the, the, the videos are the chapter tiles from the book. And mm -hmm. she's just teaching through that content. Yep. Right. Goes from being 10 bucks to being a thousand bucks. It's 10 times more expensive. Yeah. Um, and then she has, um, she has a, uh, what would you call it? A, uh, like a done, done with you service, like a coaching okay. program. Yeah. And the coaching program, I think, is like $25,000 a year or wow. something like that. Um, and you come in to that coaching program, mm -hmm. and it's like, hey, week one, you know, or month one of the coaching program, guess what you do? You pull out the book, yep. and you go through chapter one, yep. and she kicks you in the ass to make sure you do those things in your right. business, right? Um, and it changes that, and she has a done-for-you service. And the done-for-you service is she comes into your business, and her team does all of the work for you. Wow. Right? And okay. that costs a hundred grand plus a percentage of profit. Wow. Right? And you know what they do is they, they pull get, out the book. Yep. And they start yep. with chapter one. Yep. And they apply <laughs> and what's they in the book to your business. They apply what's in the book. Yep. Right. So the difference is not the information. The difference right. is the intimacy. Yep. Yeah, that makes total uh, sense. And, and that's exactly right. Because like you mentioned, the, the higher level of intimacy, the better results you get. Because you may read the book and you may get a lot out of it, but you also may misunderstand something or you may have skipped over a nugget that you didn't know was really the key to the whole thing or whatever it may have been in your particular situation. And so the video course explains it in a bit more detail, right? And then her working with you explains it in even more detail. And then her team coming in doing it for you, make sure that it gets applied correctly, you know? Um, so that makes a lot of sense, actually. That's, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And it's always, it's really helped me in terms of helping my clients of like figuring out where right? Like how do you, how do you break down your products and services? You, mm -hmm. you want to look at your intimacy levels and how yeah. can I increase the intimacy and therefore increase the results my clients can get um, from mm. whatever it is that you're looking to do. Okay. So it's really cool. So I think that was, that was a long discussion on common enemy being, you know, like dealing with pride <laughs> and whatnot, but yeah. Yep. So, um, I want to flip that over and talk about your driving force, right? So just sure. like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights yep. to save Gotham or, you know, Google fights to index all of the world's information under a cool search engine we can all use and, uh, and use to solve arguments with our friends in front of the TV. Um, <laughs> what, is it, what is it that you fight for in your business? What are you, uh, what are you trying to accomplish? 
my goal is to help blended families live better, live more cooperatively, uh, live more positively. Because again, um, I, I read a statistic recently, it was something along the lines of about 2000 new blended families are created in America every day. Right? Wow. And it, yeah. And the, um, the uh, divorce rate for blended families is something like 55 to 60%. I've seen higher percentages, but that's very, very conservative, 55 to 60%. And so that means if you've got 2,000 new families created today, that means within the next five to 10 years, over 1,000 of them will have already failed. That's terrifying because that means now there's more kids who are dealing with even more trauma and more heartache. And so my goal is to help them. My goal is to help those families beat the statistics so that they themselves and their children can be happier and better and more emotionally equipped moving forward. Uh, because again, I, like I went through divorce as a kid and my parents did it great. And I've been through divorce as an adult and I don't know how well we did it, but we're trying to do it really well. And so we want to help other people be able to move forward as well. My, my desire, my goal um, is to help other people to live a better life by changing the way they think about divorce and blended family stuff. Yeah. And one of the things that pops into my head when you say that is one of my, one of my goals as a parent, and I think every parent has this goal, whether they have ever voiced it or put words to it, mm -hmm. is I, 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 the reason I'm raising my children the way that I do and all the decisions that I make, they go back to, I want my kids to yeah. be able to start their life off in a better place than I did. Yeah, right? that's exactly and, it. Yeah, that's a great way of putting yeah. it. And so like my, my goal is to put them up on the higher shelf, right? Just like yep. my parents' goal was for me. And, yep. you know, they, we have a, we have a lot of political discussions going on today about, you know, privilege and other things like that. And I was like, right. that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do as parents. I that's want right. My we kids, want to do that. Yeah. I want my kids to have more privileges than I had. Right? That's right. So they're starting out farther ahead in the race. Yep. And looking at, you know, like, I'm, I'm really proud of like my dad and where he came from and when he, mm -hmm. where he started. Cause like, he like growing up had nothing, right? Yeah. He was yep. poor and broke and his, his mom or his dad died when he was eight years old and his mom was raising four kids by herself. Wow. My dad was, had to get a, a job at like 12 or 13 years old to okay. help pay for himself and his brothers yep. and sisters and, yep. um, and those kind of things. Right. So he started with absolutely nothing. And, yeah. you know, uh, the point, you know, all the advantages that I started with <laughs> yeah, are all things that he worked his ass off for. That's right. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and because of that, I'm able to step farther and, and go farther and push farther than I ever would be. Right. Yeah. And my goal is, you know, I want to push my kids out further ahead as well. Right. So right. they can go farther and make a bigger yep. impact. Um, Absolutely. And it sounds, sounds like that's exactly the type of thing that you're trying to engender is like teach them how to, how can you, despite having a divorce in your life, despite yep having a blended family, how can you still take your children and raise them up? That's right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you're, you're, it's funny, your parents' story, your dad's story sounds very similar to mine. Like my dad's parents were sharecroppers in Illinois um, during the Great Depression. He was born early in World War II. And uh, his, uh, his dad never finished high school. His mom never went beyond high school. Um, my dad was actually the first person in his family to ever go to college. And then he got drafted in time to go into Vietnam. And then he made a military career out of it. Turns out, despite being in Vietnam for a year and a half, he liked the military. And uh, my mom was from a family where nobody had ever gone beyond high school. Her dad dropped out in uh, of middle school, actually went to work in a local cotton mill and worked there for like the next decades or whatever it was. And so, yeah, both my parents came from 
nothing. And so the expectation for all of our, of us, my brother, my sister, and myself, the expectation was you will go to school, you will get good grades, you will go to college so that you can get a better job than what our parents had. Because my dad was retired military, my mom was a nurse, and I'm really proud of them because, again, both of them were college educated. Dad got a master's degree that the Army paid for, and they wanted us to have a better starting place than what they had, which is exactly what you yeah. were describing. Um, my <laughs> turns out my mom was actually disappointed because when I graduated college and decided to become a teacher, that was not quite as cool as if I had become a lawyer, which was my original plan. Um, <laughs> just because of the lower paycheck. Uh, but no, she's, you know, she, she's very proud of me and the work I do with kids and that kind of stuff. But what you described is exactly right. I want to help families uh, overcome whatever their difficulties are so that the kids are set up better long-term. Because again, we want to overcome the statistics. We want to do better than uh, the societal models of, well, if you come from a broken home, if you come from a divorce situation, here's what you have to look forward to. And in every category, it's worse than if your parents had stayed together. So then the question is, okay, well, how do we then help the kids? How do we help the families overcome that so that their kids can not be the societal norms? How can we help them do better than what society says they should be able to do? Uh, and that is, that's, that's something that means a lot to me. I want that for my kids. I'm thankful that my parents did that, you know, and I want to help other people do those things as well. So, curious question for you um sure and because I've, I've i've seen this talked about a lot that uh um homes that don't have a father mm -hmm. the children tend to be worse off in every category that is imaginable yeah um and some kind of father have, figure yeah yeah when you have a blended family you mm -hmm. um may or may not always have your dad in the picture correct right? so even if it's just this week versus next week um you have less father in your life than you would if they were together. Do you think that is one of the uh, the driving factors behind blended families, children not performing as well after they, uh, you know, they grow up and move out? Absolutely, I do. Uh, and like you mentioned, yeah, it, um, no matter where you look, if you look at kids who are raised without a stable father figure, they just like you said, they're worse off in pretty much every possible category. And so, uh, with blended families, the question is, okay, so who is that father figure and, and how are they doing in that role? Um, not are they doing good or are they doing bad, but literally how are they, how are they performing the tasks of a father and what kind of results is that going to get the child moving forward? Uh, because unfortunately, um, most of the time when a divorce happens, um, and I say, I don't, this is going to, let me maybe rephrase that. What I was going to say is, unfortunately, most of the time the kids end up with mom and that sounds wrong. That's not what I mean by that. What I mean is, um, a lot of the times, like you mentioned, there's not a dad in the picture. Sometimes that's the dad's fault because they're choosing not to. Um, but what kids need is they need a mom and they need a dad. And that's the way that kids are going to turn out the best like historically statistically that's way that's the way the kids turn out the best and so what I want to do is help blended families figure out okay if your family's not traditional who is fulfilling this father role is it a stepdad is it a dad is it an uncle is it a grandparent is it a teacher is it a coach is it a mentor and uh, not only who's doing it but what does that look like for your unique family and how can we help that maybe improve some um, because kids do, they, they need that. They need moms and they need dads and they need us to come alongside them and help raise them well. And again, a lot of times in the hurt of divorce, that gets lost. Um, because again, having been through it, it's, it would be really easy to, 
um, just focus on me and let my kids fend for themselves a little bit. And that's not what parents are called to do. And so I want to help, uh, I want to help people do better. That's again, I'm, I'm excited to work with, uh, I mentioned John Finch and the encouraging dads project earlier. I'm actually really excited to be working with them because, uh, pretty soon he'll be launching a, a, um, a new membership site and he's got videos and he's got, I'll, I'll actually be blogging for them once a month specifically about the challenges of blended family and dad's roles, whether it's biological or stepdad, the father role within blended families and some of the difficulties associated with that. Um, because I think it's something that is really, really hard. I'm not a stepdad, but I've told my girls stepdad that is my ex-wife's husband. I've told him multiple times, God bless you because I couldn't do what you do. It's hard enough to be a biological parent. Being a step parent is not a gig that I would sign up for. Right. I've told my wife the same thing because, because here's the thing, like the truth of being a step parent is this, you are expected to do all of the biological parent stuff. You're expected to go to work. You're expected to do the laundry and help with the dishes and help with the homework and drive the kids all over the place. And you're expected to help raise them well. And you are guaranteed nothing in return. You're not guaranteed yeah. love. You're not guaranteed respect. You're not guaranteed obedience. You get all the you're, crap. You're not my none of the good. Yeah. And, the, and I, I look, I would not sign up for that gig. I would not. But my wife did. And my girl's stepdad did. And to me, they're rock stars. They're superheroes because they do what normal people couldn't or wouldn't. They're choosing yeah. to raise other people's kids as their own, and they're doing it out of selflessness. And that's incredible. And so to see it done really well, I'm, I'm, blessed, to, I'm blessed to be able to see that. I've had great conversations with my girl's stepdad. Actually, my older daughter said to him one time, you're not my dad. And he called me and said, hey, listen, this conversation just happened. I'd really like your help figuring this out. And that, that's yeah. like he was, he was willing to come to me and say, hey, help me with your kid. Like that's huge. I said, we'll take care of it. And so I talked with my daughter. Hey, you're right. He's not your dad. But you know what? When you're at your mom's house, he is the father figure. You need to show him respect, period. Yeah. You never need to say that again because you know who's paying for most of your stuff over there? Him and your mom. They're paying for everything in your life over there. So guess what? You, he deserves your respect for a lot of reasons. You will show him that proper respect. End of discussion, right? And maybe, again, maybe I should have handled that more gently. I don't know. But I believe in the principle of it. If he's, if he's the father figure in that house, you need to treat him like the father figure in that house. You need to show him the respect that he deserves, even if you don't necessarily feel the same kind of love you do with your biological parent. You need to yeah, show him yeah. that kind of respect. Um, I, and that's uh, I tell my kids there's the, uh, um, to, to always think of the truth train, right? The, uh, I don't know that the, <laughs> so, so truth train was a, was a thing. One of my spiritual mentors used as a kid, okay. um, to, to describe the difference between what the truth of the situation is. Mm -hmm. So the truth would be the engine on the train and okay. the caboose on your train is your feelings. Nice. And it's like, it's like your, your feelings exist. They're real. Right. They're a part of the train. But if you let, if you try and drive the train with the caboose, it doesn't work. Yes. Good. That's right. it's interesting. That's very similar to, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a lady named Dondi Skumachi. She's really big in the women's entrepreneur and business space. Mm -hmm. She actually wrote the forward to my book, which is very kind of her. But in, in one of her books, she wrote something that's uh, a, very similar to that. She said um, something along the lines of definitely bring your emotions along for the ride, but don't let them in the driver's seat. Right, because it's the same thing. Your your emotions, your feelings are absolutely valid. What you're feeling is okay, but you cannot make your decisions based on that. 
That's a terrible yeah. way to live. If you make your decisions based on your emotions all the time, you're going to be miserable and you're going to have a victim mentality because you're thinking everybody's out to get you. And that's not a good way to go through life. Yeah, and so I, I, uh, I like that idea about the truth train as well. That's good. Yeah, it's especially useful for um, I, I, the metaphor, I think, works for kids because they can see mm -hmm. the, the yeah, it's like, a train. You know, you pull off the train. So they know right. how trains work. They're yep. all obsessed with trains. I'm not sure what it is. It's like a universal thing. All of my kids love trains. Okay. And every kid I know loves trains. But anyway, right. the, uh, um, the, the idea that you're allowed to have feelings and they're allowed right. to, like, you can be mad at me. Right. right? You can be upset about the situation, but you still yep. have to obey. Right? Yes. Like you still have that's to right. do the thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. You can feel however you want to, and that really is okay. You still have to clean your room. <laughs> you yeah. still have to wash <laughs> the dishes. Like you can hate every second of putting the dishes away. You still will put the dishes away. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's part of being a part of the family, right? You that's just right. got to do it. Right? Yeah. And in your <laughs> family, you, you may not like your stepdad. You may not agree with him, You, but he's the parent over that's there. That's right. So. Yeah. No, it's funny. You said that reminds me of a story I love to tell. When my older daughter was in preschool, uh, her, she was at preschool graduation, which is a, a farce anyway, but that's a different discussion. Uh, like, <laughs> you, you didn't eat enough finger paint to give yourself brain damage. Like, way to go. We're going to give you a little robe. Anyway, so at the uh, preschool graduation, the teacher, who I love to death, was talking about each kid a little bit. She'd say, you know, little Timmy helped everybody put the toys away, and little uh, Susie would remind me when it was time for snacks, and she got to my daughter. And she said, Carly was my little teacher helper. And I thought, uh-oh, what's she going to say? <laughs> and she said, whenever the students didn't want to do their work, Carly would remind them, sometimes you have to do stuff you don't want to do because that's life. <laughs> and she's four years old. She's nodding her head. And I thought, oh, she's heard that every day of her little four-year-old existence because that's what I would tell her. Like, baby, you need to clean your room. I don't want to clean your room. I understand that. Sometimes you have to do stuff you don't want to do because that's life. Yeah. And, and the older you get, the more of your life is filled with, I don't really want to do that. Sorry. You, you still got to pay taxes. You still got to do your job, whether it's as an employer, or as an entrepreneur, you still got to cut the grass or take the trash out or walk the dogs or whatever. It, you still have to do that stuff. And when you have kids, yeah. a lot more of your life is, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to change another dirty diaper. Well, I'm going to, because otherwise my kid's going to get, you know, all kinds of butt sore and that's no good. And like, you have to do stuff you don't want to do because that's life. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it really sucks when they get up in the middle of the night and like vomit on you and you're like, yep. I can't just roll over and go back to sleep. I have that's to exactly sleep. right. Vomit. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, I, I, I oh, talk with a lot of parents. Everybody has great poop and vomit stories. Like I've caught, you know, secondhand blueberries in my hands. Why parents catch throw up. I don't know, but I know that I've done it, you know, like, <laughs> And I've made poor decisions in my life. One of them was having children. So, <laughs> you think those thoughts when you're up at two thirty in the morning and you're like yes. cleaning, you're like yeah. wiping vomit up off the yep. floor while your other parent is like cleaning up the child. I'm like, yep. I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, yeah, so why did we do this again? <laughs> yeah. So as my kids have gotten older, I've started making sort of goofy, half true comments to them. I said something one day about being broke, and they're like, Well, why are you broke? I'm like, I'm looking at it. <laughs> you are why I'm bro. You people are very expensive and you are also kind of inconvenient. And they kind of went, well, that's really rude. And I'm like, well, it's sorry. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to we say. A, we had a celebration with uh, one of our friends the other day because their youngest reached mm -hmm. the point where they got sick and they made it to the toilet on their own. Yes. Well done. And we were all like, yes, that's yep. the dream. That is worth <laughs> celebrating. 
like yep. you know, as parents we all we, none of us we can't wait until our our youngest child is to the point that even when they're sick they still make it to the toilet first that's exactly of, you know, right all life. yes <laughs> yes that is a great day yeah like you think it's when they're out of toilet uh, out of diapers that's not it no that's not the day no the day that's not the day the day that you celebrate is the day they make to the toilet before throwing up on your floor. Oh, that is fantastic. You're 100% right, too. Oh, man. And again, like within blended families, that's one of those things where, uh, you know, like so when our kids were younger, so my older one or my younger one's 12 now, so we got married five years ago. She's seven or eight years old. When she got sick in the middle of the night, if she didn't make it to the bathroom, it wasn't just me. It was my wife cleaning that up. That's not even her daughter. Like yeah. she's only been married into the family for six months and here she is cleaning up some of somebody else's kids throw up in the, are you kidding me? Like that's a superhero. I wouldn't, I'm not cleaning up any other kids throw up in the middle of the night. Absolutely not. You know, and, but she does that and she's done it for years and it just, you know, her, my kids are her kids now and my kids have been her kids for years because, uh, because she loves them that way. And that's something that I want to encourage other blended families to do in my business is, you know, love those kids like they're your own, even when they don't necessarily love you back that same way, because in the long run, yeah. it'll pay off. Yeah. And it's a cool place to be in. It's like, you know, I, I was not a fan of my blended family growing up, um, mm -hmm. but I can tell you today, if one of my kids got hurt and was in the hospital, my stepdad would drop everything in his life and be there in a heartbeat. Yeah. Right. He would be, yep. he would be, he would be racing my dad to get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's <laughs> um, great. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a good place to be in. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, to, to have a family, you know, is that that's there. Right. And they're not, they're not his, his kids. Right. right. I'm not, I'm not his kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. But right. he treats you like it and he loves you like yeah. it. And that, that says a lot about him. It says a lot about um, the way that, uh, that they, that he tried to relate to you. You know, and that's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it's something that, again, the kid might not ever appreciate, yeah. right? You do, and that's a good thing. The kid might not ever appreciate that. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, you should do it anyway. And, and if they appreciate it, that's a bonus. <laughs> but it's got to be hard, right? And, yes, uh, you know, absolutely. I'm never being in that situation myself, but, you know, yep. <laughs> here <laughs> right. we are. Yep. Well, and, and I hope that you're not too. Um, but that's exactly right. Is It's great that you've got the story to tell from being a kid and seeing it from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think um, I've, I've heard a couple of things you, you've said over the thing in case you probably are a, a fellow believer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I've, uh, um, I know that one of the reasons that our relationship actually turned out the way that did with my stepdad was because I was a believer and mm. helped. Uh, he started to see a lot of that, and it's changed his life a lot over the course of the, wow. you know, fifteen twenty years we've um, we've known each other. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I I know that plays a big part in it. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, I'm, just, I'm curious. I'm curious how much how much of how much of of teaching that relationship do you do in your in your teaching and your speaking and your consulting. That's a really good question. I'm glad you brought that up. I am. I'm a, I'm a very outspoken Christian. Um, I don't necessarily bring it up on podcast interviews unless the host mentions it because some people don't want that on their show and that's fine. Um, I actually, it depends on the audience is the answer to your question. If I'm speaking at a, cause I teach at a little Christian school. If I'm speaking at a church or I'm speaking at a conference, that's a, a church based kind of a group. I'm very open about the huge role that my faith has played in recovering from my divorce and being remarried and all the principles I teach. They all come from scripture. They're all biblical. But when I'm speaking at a, with a group, that's not necessarily a religious group. 
then I just don't tell them the ultimate source of it. I still share the same principles. I just don't share the story of where I got that principle. You know what I mean? Like, so the, the two key principles I teach about for blended families are one, be the adult you want your kids to become, right? And then two, yeah. apply the golden rule, treat other people the way you want to be treated. Like, it's very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. If you do those two things, your blended family will become better. Well, I got that idea from looking at the Bible because in the Old Testament, there were 10 commandments. And I have my 10 commandments for blended family life. And the New Testament, Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And then he says the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So he boiled, the, yeah, he boiled the 10 commandments down into two. I did the same thing. I took my 10 commandments for blended family life. I boiled them down to two. So when I'm sharing at a church, I tell them, here's where this came from. And when I'm not sharing at church, I say, here's what I'm going to teach you today. <laughs> you know? I, I so. translate God, uh, God's greatest commandments. Um, that that whole phrase mm -hmm. is, uh, is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and don't be a dick. <laughs> Which is totally <laughs> fair. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a good way to put it. Like, we have a a, a paraphrase as well. There's a um, uh, a somewhere in the New Testament talks about how um, you know, the man makes his plans, or like the the plans of a heart are many, but God does something else. That's kind of the Hall Baker translation of it. Uh, like God, man makes his plans and God does something else <laughs> because that's, that's exactly what happens. Like, I think I know what I'm doing. And then God goes, mm, we're going to have you do this other thing. Oh, and you're like, Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's because like, I, I never plan on having daughters. I made jokes throughout all of high school about how I, I don't understand girls. I'm never going to have daughters because good Lord help me if I did. And, and then, uh, and then I have two of them and I've spent most yeah, of my yeah. adult life coaching girls, soccer teams and stuff like that. I was, and, it, so I love Tom Clancy novels and there's a phrase in a lot of the Jack Ryan stories where he says, you know, having daughters is God's punishment on me for being a man. And I feel like there's a lot of truth in that statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was planning on having four sons and I have one son and three daughters. So you there know, you go. Um, yep. And, and, and it's great, right? They're, uh, yeah, they're that's right. And I wouldn't trade my daughters for anything. Yeah. My, my son is the, is, is, it's like the greatest thing that's ever walked, mm -hmm. but like, and I like, I just, I totally get him like, right. just like to the core. Like I understand. Yeah. And like when he's like, when he does things like, like I, sometimes he just needs to be backhanded. Right. right. You just, yep. Sometimes you've got a backhanded kid. Yep. Just, oh, that's your right. Daughter, like you can't do that. Never. Nope. Never. <laughs> Absolutely not. I actually said that. I've said that exact same thing actually when um, uh, I never said it to them, but I, I've told stories about some things they said when they were younger. And I said, listen, if that had been a son, I'd have just backhanded them because yeah. that, that way you learn, don't do that again. But with daughters, you absolutely cannot. You absolutely cannot ever do that sort of thing. And so it's had to teach me to be a very different parent than I probably would have been. And I think it was really God's grace to me by giving me daughters because it's forced me to learn how to become more gentle. It's forced me mm -hmm. to learn how to become a different parent. Because if I had had sons, I probably would have remained harsh and I would have remained uh, extremely demanding and I would have remained much more stern. And with girls, I still am those things, but a lot less than I would have been. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's just different, right? You, yeah. you still yep. have the, you're still stern. You still have like, yep. like you don't cross the line with dad. That, you know, That's my, right. My daughter will... My my daughter will tell you like the scariest thing in the world is my dad voice. Right. Oh yeah. Like, Everybody has. Like, yeah. You're way yep. you're way scarier than mom. Like, <laughs> like, like there's, there's not even a competition. You're super scary. But nice. Um. You know. But on the uh, the same the same token, it's like you you having both having boys and girls. You realize that like you have to have a different parenting style for each. Yeah. Of them. 
Yep. Um, and, yep. You, you really know, cause, do. Yeah, because my my son wouldn't respond to discipline the same way my daughters right. do. Yep. Right. Yep. And and I remember as a kid growing up, there was a couple of times I needed my dad to backhand me. I didn't appreciate yep. it at the time. That's right. <laughs> like, I, looking, yeah. Looking back on it, you're like, I needed to be backhanded. That's I was right. Being a <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I've got a big leather belt that I was very good friends with in high school and grade school and middle school because that's what dad spanked me with when I was not doing what oh, I was yeah, supposed yeah, to do. Yeah. My um, my brother went through a so. phase where he got the belt like every day for a week. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, I was like, what are you doing? Like, and I remember, like, as his older brother, I was like, right. I was like, you realize if you keep doing this, you're going to keep getting beat. And he was right. like, he was like, oh, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, you're right. You, it, some kids just respond to discipline differently. And so you got to change what you do. And it's interesting because within blended families, same thing. Like, you can't discipline kids the same way that you would in a traditional nuclear family. Like, my, my wife has never once done any physical discipline with our kids mm -hmm. and that was that was a ground rule from day one because she's not their mom she's not ever going to spank them she's not ever going to do anything like that ever 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 and the girls have known that now i haven't spanked either of my girls and i don't even know how many years now um but that's you know but my girl's stepdad he's also never disciplined that way because he's not their dad and they knew that. And that's a big, that's a big part of it is within blended families, you have to get a little bit more creative with your parenting because you can't do things the way that you would in a traditional nuclear. You can't do them the same way. Just like you mentioned, kids respond differently to discipline. They also respond differently with a step parent and they respond differently if there's a step parent, but the biological parent is home or if there's a step parent, the biological parent isn't home because they just they treat it a little bit differently and so a lot of those dynamics are things that people maybe don't think about ahead of time and then they're in the middle of the situation it's like well crap what do i do now huh and so if I, you know if i can help yeah. them maybe think those we're, through ahead of time that'll help we're them we're a big fan of having a uh, a discipline routine yeah and have a we plan teach, we teach other we teach other parents all the time my wife's actually in the middle of writing a book on it nice um, and and because if you know like like our kids, they, they know all the rules, mm -hmm. like, and they're actually posted on the wall. Like nice. and they know the rules and the discipline routine hasn't changed since my son was 10 months old. Right? Nice. And, and it's a, it's an escalating routine. And it's basically like you break the rule, you get warning about the rule and you have to tell us what rule you broke and what you're going to do in the future. We help talk them a little bit about decision-making and then it's a, you know, break the rule again and you get to sit in timeout and tell me about the rule. And there's a whole process for the timeout. Thing. Right. And it's like, it's a, you know, a second timeout, then it's a timeout that's banking. And if they do it a fifth time in the same day, they just, the day is over. They get to go <laughs> lay in bed for the rest of the day. Yep. And, you're done here. You're done. Like you get to start over tomorrow and, uh, and like, they don't get meals. They don't get other things. And we're like, we're like hardcore mean about it. Like they'll, you know, we'll tell them like, Oh, we're having your favorite meal for dinner kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. You missed out yeah. You earned this. And we warned you and we went through the whole, yeah. And, and like, look, I, I, I know there are people who disagree, but I like that. I think it's good. Kids need some tough love sometimes. And, and, yeah. you know, I do the same thing in my classroom and um, I've had some negative feedback from kids. I've had some negative feedback from parents who didn't like it, but it's like, listen, kids need to know failure is a possibility. Kids yeah. need to know that there are real world consequences, whether it's you have to go lay in bed the rest of the day and miss out on your favorite meal, or whether it's taking summer school because you didn't do your homework from February to May, but they, <laughs> you need to know there are actual consequences here. And I don't love you any less, but there are, there are consequences for the choices that you made. 
And that's, yeah, yeah. that's and part that's, of real life. We try, to, we try to frame it for them um, on a regular basis. It's like, hey, here's the rule, rule you broke. Here's the decision yep. you made for that. What decision are you make in the future? They'll, we make right. them tell it every single time. So like they've got five times. They've gone through this right. five times today. Yep. And they're choosing their own demise. And yeah. I was like, so we make them like, what did, what did you choose to do? Why are you here? Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> yep. it's not, it's not me, right? It's, it's your choice. You have, and you have to learn, you have to learn that, right? That yeah. your, that your actions have consequences. Yep. Um, and those can be good or they can be bad. That's right. Like my and, son, my son yeah. is at that point now, like he's homeschooled and mm-hmm. you know, he is a uh, curriculum at this point is self-directed. Okay. And right? so, right. He's got, he's got an hour for each of his subjects. He can be done with his schoolwork in two hours. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and have the rest of the day to himself. Right. But he frequently chooses to dawdle and will spend six, seven, eight hours working on a schoolwork. I'm like, that's <laughs> like, that's your own, your own doing. Like, that's you right. Did, and stare at the ceiling instead of doing your schoolwork for four hours. It doesn't make my day any worse. That's right. I'm going to be playing Mario Kart. You are still working on your math over there. Sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not, that's not my, uh, not my fault. It's yours. That's right. So, I know. I want to, uh, we, we've gone a little over on our time, but it's really interesting, interesting uh, conversation we've had so far. I'm going to skip a couple of my regular questions. I want to ask you this one because I think it's, sure. uh, it's one of my favorites. And it's your, your guiding principles, right? So break it mm-hmm. home for our listeners a little bit. What are the top one or two principles or actions you use regularly on a daily basis to help push your business forward um, that you, uh, you want to share with our audience? So I've learned these again from uh, my, my speaker sort of coaching program uh, that I'm in. Uh, and the two big principles that I am really, really wanting to continue focusing on are uh, clarity and consistency right? Clarity in terms of, for me, it's professional speaking. Who do I speak to and what do I speak about? Like, what problem do I solve? Because if I know the answer to that, that helps me guide my marketing. It helps me guide my outreach. It helps me guide all of those things because I know I, I can't talk to everybody on the planet about any specific topic. Like, that's not a good approach for marketing. I need to know who my target audience is. So that means I need to, I need to have clarity about my business. And the second one yeah, is- it also cons- makes you- easier to say yes to when you're That's presenting right. your, your topic to someone They're like yeah. hey this is what i speak about who it helps and they can look at it and immediately go yes that's good for my audience no it's not that's right this is what we're looking for or hey that sounds great but that's not who we are right because if i say to someone i speak on like i talk about leadership i talk about servant leadership and someone some organ like a business organization goes hey that's great we'd love to have you come in because i did that just a couple months ago i was speaking to a uh, a corporate retreat um to a group called Deal Aerospace, and they brought me in to talk about servant leadership, and it was great, right? But there are other people who go, yeah, that's not really what we're looking for right now. Okay, that's fine. That's okay. I appreciate that. No hard feelings. Like, I'm not going to take it personally, right? So, I have clarity. The second one is consistency, and again, this is something where uh, I've, I've seen this in, uh, as a coach, I've seen it in, because I used to be, um, I used to be pretty fat. I've seen it in personal weight loss. You got to be consistent in terms of exercise and eating right and all that. Um, Same thing with a business. I can't sit down at my business one day every two weeks for 10 hours. That's not going to actually drive my business forward. But if I can spend 20 to 30 minutes a day after school on my business, that's going to make a big difference. The, The clock hours are the same. But it's a question of putting in the work on a consistent basis or just doing it in huge blobs once every two weeks, right? So yeah. I've got to be, I've got to have clarity and I've got to have consistency. And if I, uh, I've got to be consistent. So if I do those things, 
right? Then I know that my business will be moving forward because I know who I need to talk to and I know that I'll get a chance to talk to them today or tomorrow or the next day. It's not like today is, you know, we're recording on a, uh, on a Tuesday and well, I'll get to them Saturday week from now. Well, no, yeah. that's not, you, you can't put that off because by then the whole dynamics of what they're looking for may have changed. Right. Yeah. So got to have clarity, yeah, got to have consistency. Those are my two big things. And the consistency is such a good thing too, because you learn, um, you, you learn, at least I've learned that um, a, a little bit of forward progress mm -hmm. on a regular basis yep. snowballs very quick. Yes. Yes. Um, I share that with my soccer teams. You know, you, if you get one inch better every day of practice for the whole season, by the end of the season, man, you've moved a long way forward. Yeah. And, and it's, it's amazing too, like, especially in business, um, people, people tend to, um, to think they're going to be a lot farther along in a lot shorter period of time. Yeah. Um, then is what's really necessary. So I, I mm -hmm. regularly tell people is, is you're going to overestimate what you can accomplish in a year and vastly underestimate what you can accomplish in 10. Yes. Right? So, yeah. so like, like you, you don't, you don't necessarily need to know where you're going to be in 10 years or what direction you're going in in 10 years, right. but just be willing to dedicate the next 10 years of your life to getting a little bit better every day in this area. Yeah. And you will be blown away by a, what happens over the course of those 10 years, right? You'll probably be world-class. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is, um, is as you do that, you're, you start to realize that you're not quite as a slave to the shiny object syndrome. Right. Right. Where it's like, yep. you're changing things all the time. You're like, Hey, I got through a year of this and it's, I'm not a multi-bajillionaire yet. Maybe I should change courses and start over right. again. Right. Um, and which happens all too often. Yeah. Um, I'm sure. Like, yeah. Sometimes you just need to keep pushing. Yeah. Right. Keep, <laughs> keep doing the yep. thing. Right. It, it, you know, this assumes a couple of things. It assumes that you're actually working in a market that people want to like yep. to have problems and you can solve them and like right. you actually can solve them. Um, right. So like you make a couple of assumptions there that that's, those things are happening, but if you keep pushing forward and you have those, those foundational things in place, you will eventually make a huge difference in, yep. in, uh, in your space, in your business. So I think yeah. those are great, great principles. Good. Thank you. Yeah. I actually saw something similar to what you said just the other day. It said, uh, people tend to underestimate what they can accomplish in a year and overestimate what they can accomplish in a day. And I thought, yeah. oh, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Cause sometimes my to-do list is much bigger than my day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's very true. And you know, it, it sort of applies over and over again. Right. And it, mm -hmm. it goes right back to just having consistency over the long term yep. is going yep. to be, um, you know, there's a whole book about it. I think it's the slight edge. I think is the name of that book it talks okay. about making a little bit of progress every day. Um, okay. And it will just totally changes the game. So, yep. Last thing I do on the show, really simple, something I call the Heroes Challenge, and yeah. it's basically this. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine, and why do you think they should come share their story on our show? Mm. So the first guy, that, the first person that comes to mind is a guy I know named Henry, and he is, um, he is a life coach who really focuses on helping men overcome obstacles. Um, he's got an amazing story of overcoming a lot of obstacles in his own life. Um, if you heard it, if you heard his origin story in terms of the way he um, was raised, especially the issues he had at school and uh, some of the personal issues that he's overcome, um, he's, uh, he's doing incredible work in terms of just helping men to overcome problems that 
at the time seem really, really big. And uh, I've been very inspired by him. I've talked, uh, I've actually been on his show a couple of times and he is, um, he's a pretty incredible guy. He's, he's not a believer, but he's very respectful of uh, different religions and different belief systems. And, and so I think he does a great job with, uh, with working with men and helping them um, by uh, showing them that they are capable of more than what they think. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll, we'll reach out later and see if we can connect with Henry and maybe get him on the okay. show to come share his story. Last thing. Thank you so much for coming on this show. Really Certainly. appreciate it. Love having you here. It was a really interesting conversation. We definitely went longer than we normally do, which is totally fine. Um, <laughs> what I want to find out from you is where can people find you if they want to pick up your book, if they're looking for someone to come and speak about blended families at their organization, where can they find you? Who are the ideal type of people to reach out? Yeah, thank you for that. And I've had a great time being on here as well. Um, you can find my book on Amazon. It's called Inverted Leadership. Um, my, um, I'm actually putting together a new website right now. It's under construction. It's just my name. It's Joel W. Hallbaker, H-A-W-B-A-K-E-R. It's joelwhallbaker.com. Um, the websites that I have already put together, you can find me at reallifeleading.com. Uh, and you can also find me at stepdadding. Dot com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter under Real Life Leading. You can find me on LinkedIn under my name. Um, you know, anybody who has questions about uh, blended family life, how to move it forward, whether it's single parents or whether it's people who are already in blended families. Um, I actually had a great question the other day from a blended family grandparent. It's okay, so what's my role? Because my kid just got divorced a year ago and now they're wanting to get remarried. What's my role? That was a great question. I hadn't really come across that one before. Um, so anybody who's curious about that, um, I would love to, I'd love to speak with them. And um, again, marriage events, family events, um, conferences and, and things like that. Like I love being able to, uh, to help out at those type situations. Absolutely. So again, thank you so much for coming on this show, Joel. So it's it, the name of the book is Inverted Leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and what was the name of the website again? So we can. Uh, um, JoelWHallbaker.com, reallifeleading.com and stepdadding leading yeah stepdadding i like that stepdadding.com step yeah it was actually created by someone else he's recently passed it off to me uh because he's part of a blended family and he is sort of changing his business um and so he's he's basically uh, he's given that over to me and so i'll be updating it pretty soon and adding a lot of my own content on there as well but it's got a ton of great resources for blended families on there Awesome. Again, so thank you so much for coming on the show, Joel. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our audience before we hit the uh, done record on this, this episode? Yeah, the, just one last quote from Tolkien. It, it goes really well with what you and I were talking about in terms of accomplishing goals and consistency and that kind of stuff. Because uh, I'm a huge C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien fan. Uh, there's a quote in Lord of the Rings where Tolkien says, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Right. And that's true for entrepreneurs. That's true for blended families. That's true for anybody in the world. All you have to decide is what you're going to do with the time that you have. Uh, and if you if you choose wisely, you'll be amazed at the results. Absolutely. That's a good piece of advice. So choose wisely, my friend. Thank you for coming on the show, Joel. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a, it's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you.